In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, the kids and teens up through the 12th grade, please come forward. Right there, so I can see everybody. Yep, there we go. So, are oh, you going to sit by me? Okay, come on. <laughs> you ever look closely at a light bulb? I mean, you don't have to right now, but have you ever looked at closely at a light bulb? Do you know that when they make light bulbs, if there's one speck of dirt in there, that light bulb is no good because it's probably going to be broken really easily? And so there can't be any dirt in, in the light bulb. Hi, I like that. That's nice. And so I was thinking about that and talking, thinking about how as Christians, we are the light of Jesus. I mean, he shines through us, right? <coughs> Jesus is the light. His light shines through us. But what if there's dirt in us? What if there's dirt in us? And when I say dirt... What do I mean? What? Huh? Dust? I think I, I think I really mean something more like sin. Sin, right? And I think there is sin in us, right? We are a fallen creature. We are disobedient to God. It's it's who we are. We have fallen, and God has made it right. He's brought us back to Himself through what he did on the cross. But as St. Paul said in our epistle today, we still have dirt in us. I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. I want to do right. I want to shine my light. But sometimes there's darkness coming out, and, and it's that sin that dwells in me. But thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, who helps to shine that light to this broken world through me, through you. We do have darkness in us. We do, every single one of us. Not one person in this world that doesn't have darkness inside, has sin inside. But all those who profess Jesus Christ as Lord, all those who are baptized, all those who are Christian, we have this light that shines through us. Our Old Testament reading talks about the, old, the uh, Ten Commandments. Are they still, are we still supposed to Pay attention to the Ten Commandments. That's Old Testament stuff. But we're supposed to, aren't we? Because that's how we live our lives. What if I went around and murdered people? I shouldn't do that, should I? Have you ever murdered anybody? I hope not. No, good. Have you ever, have you ever stolen anything? No. Good. Have you ever lied? No. Good. Have you ever told a lie? Wait a minute. That might have been a lie right there. Yes, I think it might have been. Oh, your sister said, yes, you have. You might, not know of, you might not know it as a lie, but sometimes we don't tell the truth. And so all that's still in us. All those things that keep us from keeping the law are still within us. But we still strive with our human abilities to keep those laws. 
we keep those laws, the Ten Commandments of God, and then we depend upon the grace of God for everything else. You didn't do anything? I believe you. I believe you. You're good. God is better, but you're good. Right? Yes, right. No, I don't know. I already know how this works. It's called a rubric's cube, and I'm really good at it. I can do it in 10 seconds. Oh, I lied. I'm sorry. I lied. Oh, it's broke. I'm sorry. Okay, I think I'm through, okay? Okay, you going back to your get a packet? Okay. Okay. If y'all want to go get a packet, you can. Or you, oh, yeah, go get a packet or go back to your seats. I can't get up. Oh, boy, wait, you going to help me too. Pull, pull. There we go, thank you. I think that's, you're breaking one of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> so there was a police officer. He pulled a guy over for speeding, and they had the following exchange. Officer said, may I see your driver's license, please? Driver says, I don't have one. I had it suspended when I got my fifth DUI. Officer said, may I see uh, the owner's card for this vehicle? And the driver said, it's not my car, I stole it. <laughs> the car is stolen? Asked the officer. Driver said, that's right. But come to think of it, I think I saw the owner's card in the glove box when I was putting my gun in there. And the officer said, there's a gun in the glove box? Driver said, yes, sir, that's where I put it after I shot and killed the woman who owns this car and stuffed her in the trunk. And the officer said, there's a body in the trunk? Yes, sir. Well, hearing this, the officer immediately called his captain. The car was quickly surrounded by lots of police cars, and the captain approaches the driver to handle this very tense situation. Captain says, sir, can I see your license? And the driver says, sure, here it is. It was valid. Captain said, whose car is this? Driver said, it's mine. Here's the registration. Captain said, could you slowly open your glove box so that I can see if there's a gun in there? Driver said, yes, sir, but there's no gun in there. Sure enough, there was no gun, no, nothing in the glove box. Captain said, would you mind opening your trunk? I was told that you said there's a body in there. Driver said, no problem. The trunk was open. There was no body. Captain said, I don't understand it. The officer who stopped you said you told him you didn't have a license, you stole the car, you had a gun in the glove box, and that there was a dead body in the trunk. And the driver said, yeah. And I'll bet you he told you I was speeding, too. <laughs> that was a long way around, wasn't it? <laughs> My hope today is that as you sit back and listen to this old, old story of faith, you'll hear a fresh word of grace that will speak to where you are on your faith journey at this point. As a backdrop to the story, the people of Israel, they lived as slaves in Egypt for 430 
years before God sent Moses to deliver them. And once free, they got away as quickly as they could. For example, they didn't even wait for the dough to rise on the bread, which, by the way, is why we still use unleavened bread in our communion services today. When they got to the Red Sea, God parted the waters and allowed them safe passage to the other side, which cleared the way for their long, long journey through the wilderness to the promised land. And to guide them, God sent a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And to feed them, God sent manna from heaven and water from the rock. After wandering for about three months in the wilderness, the Israelites, they came to the foot of Mount Sinai, which if you've never been to the Sinai Peninsula, it is right there smack in the middle of nowhere. Moses left the people at the foot of Mount Sinai, climbed to the top of the mount to talk with God. A few hours later, he came back all out of breath. He could hardly contain himself. Good news, he said. God's coming to meet us in three days. So quickly, everybody, get ready. Take your bath, comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your clothes, polish your sandals. We want to make a good impression. Some of the people asked Moses, well, what does God look like? How will we recognize him? And Moses answered, oh, you, you, you can't see God. He's covered by this thick cloud. And the people, they looked at each other and thought to themselves, if God's covered by a thick cloud, how do you know if it's really God? But they didn't say anything. They just kept quiet, at least for now. For the next couple of days, the Israelite camp was a beehive of activity. Everybody running to and fro, getting ready for their meeting with Yahweh, their God. On the third day, Moses had all the people get up bright and early, line up at the foot of Mount Sinai to wait for God to appear. You should have seen the men and children and women all lined up, the smaller people on the front row, taller people on the back row. Some of the parents put their children on their shoulders so that they could see. And sure enough, the whole mountain was covered by this thick, thick cloud. Up above, they could see great flashes of lightning. They could hear the clamor of what sounded like a thunderstorm. Moses stood in front of the people, clearly excited, waiting for God to appear. And all of a sudden, before any knew, anyone knew what was happening, Moses started speaking to God, and evidently God started speaking to Moses. It was unbelievable. Moses standing there shouting at the mountain at the top of his lungs. The people, they looked at each other in amazement. They couldn't quite believe what was happening because what Moses took to be the voice of God was plainly to them the sound of thunder. And folks, that's a problem. I mean, what would you do if you were camped in the middle of nowhere and your fearless leader was standing in front of you and there was a, a thunderstorm going on and he said that the thunder was God Almighty speaking to him? I'll tell you, the people of Israel, they didn't do anything. They didn't have time to. 
because before they could say Jiminy Cricket, Moses, he just kind of took off running. He ran up the little trail leading to the top of the mountain, disappeared into that great cloud. Meanwhile, the people, they just stood at attention. They were afraid to move. Nobody knew what to do. It seemed like hours before Moses came down out of the clouds. And then all of a sudden, he reappeared just like that. He came down the hillside running as fast as he could, shouting at the top of his lungs, everybody come here at once. Come and listen to what God just told me. And the people gathered around Moses to hear what he had to say. I mean, what else could they do? Didn't have any televisions. They listened as Moses blurted out what God had told him up on that mountain. God has revealed to me the secret of life. And it's so simple, 10, 10 commandments. That's it. That's all there is to it. Abide by these 10 commandments and you will have life. And with that, he listed all 10 commandments by memory. Don't worship any other God than Yahweh. Don't make any idols. Don't take the, name, the Lord's name in vain. Keep the Sabbath holy. Honor your father. Honor your mother. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. That's it, he said once more. Do this and you will live. And all day, Moses went around reciting these Ten Commandments, telling everybody who would listen that this was what God had told him. Early the next morning, Moses got ready to go back up on the mountain. Several of the old men, they were milling around the camp drinking coffee when Moses walked through. And as he passed by, they overheard him mumbling to himself, if only I can get him to put these commandments in writing. They watched as he stomped up the path, disappeared into the fog. When evening came, Moses had not returned. He was still up there on the mountains somewhere, talking to God. And after a few days, some of the elders were concerned that Moses still had not returned yet. Others, they just kind of shrugged their shoulders and blew it off. After a week, though, everyone started to worry. Someone might have said, you know, maybe the old man just laid down up there and died. Someone else might have said he could have been attacked by a wild animal. Someone else might have said, or maybe he and God just walked off together hand in hand and just kind of left us here to fend for ourselves. Whatever became of Moses, there didn't seem to be much anyone could do about it without what with that, that thick cloud hanging over the mountain. And so day after day, the Israelites, they watched and they waited. They watched and they waited, watched and waited for Moses to return. And in all, they waited for 40 days and 40 nights. One old codger kept saying, 40 days and 40 nights on that God-forsaken mountain without food or water. He's a goner for sure. Some of the men began placing bets whether or not they'd ever see Moses again. In time, the Israelites became restless and they became afraid all this business about God talking to Moses in the clouds and in the thunder sounded more and more far-fetched. 
And what about these commandments God said they ought to live by? What, what were they again? And no one could quite remember all of them. They started arguing among each other. Fights began breaking out in camp. There was constant bickering. This place was on the verge of chaos. As slaves in Egypt, they'd had overlords to settle all of their disputes, but they didn't know what to do here with this newfound freedom. Well, finally, one of the elders stood up and said, you know, what we need is a God we can see. Amen? And all the people said, amen. And the old man continued, what we need is a God we can touch. Amen? All the people said, amen. What we need is a God we can understand. Amen? And the people said, amen. And so the people called on Aaron, Moses' brother, his right-hand man. And they explained to Aaron what they decided. And Aaron agreed with them. He said, yes, yes, yes. A God we can see. That's what we need. No, no more thunder. No more clouds. A God we can touch. No more vapor. No more smoke. A God we can understand. No more mystery. No more doubt. And the people let out this resounding Amen. And Aaron liked the feeling of his new place of authority. And so he took charge. He ordered everyone to turn in all of their gold. He collected their earrings, their pennants, their gold watches, their good luck charms, their Krugerrands, everything that was made of gold, they gave to Aaron. While he even had them take the gold filling out of their teeth. Put it all into this one big pot, he ordered. Melt it down. And Aaron then took the molten metal and poured it into this mold. And he made the most beautiful calf god you've ever seen in your life. It was a real work of art. And Aaron was pleased. And the people were pleased. And they voted to give Aaron a raise and a more prominent title. And to celebrate their accomplishment, they threw this big, let's just say, party. Meanwhile, back on the mountain, God said to Moses, I sense the presence of an intruder. Your people, note that second person pronoun, your people, said God, are backsliding you'd best go see about them. By this time, Moses had gotten the Ten Commandments down in writing, and so he grabbed those two tablet stones that God had helped him to carve, and he started down the mountain. Before he got very far, he stumbled across Joshua, his loyal servant just lying there on the path. Little did he know, but Joshua had been waiting for him all this time much like a faithful dog might be waiting. Joshua jumped up to greet Moses, and the two of them came down the mountain together, and when they got near the bottom, they heard the sound of music and laughter and dancing. The Israelites, they were having one big party down below. And in the middle of all that drunkenness and revelry, there was this golden calf. Moses was shocked. He got madder than a wet hornet. He got so mad that he threw the stone tablets down on the ground, smashed them against the rock, 
Then he walked right into the middle of the people. And the music stopped and everyone froze in their tracks. Time itself seemed to stand still. And they watched in silence as Moses, Moses took that golden calf and built a fire and melted it into liquid. And then he scattered the liquid over all the water so that when the people went to get a drink, they had to consume their own wrongdoing. As for Aaron, Moses took him off to one side and gave him a good tongue lashing. And then he put his arm around Aaron and he said, the only God who is truly God is the God of the clouds, the one you cannot see or touch or fully understand. Aaron looked at Moses and he asked the question the people had never had the courage to ask before. He said, but Moses, if you can't see him, how do you know it's really God? And Moses looked at Aaron and said something like, that's just it, Aaron. You don't know. You have to believe. You have to accept him on faith. Well, the next morning, Moses went back up the mountain and he met God. He confessed the sins of the people he told God all that they had done. He told God about the golden calf and the big party, everything. And he asked God to give them a second chance. And do you know what God did? God said, yes. And do you know why? Because God is love. And God is always willing to give us a second chance. And all we have to do is confess and believe. And so the two of them, God and Moses, cut out another pair of stone tablets. And they carved into them these ten simple commandments. Don't worship any other God than Yahweh. Don't make any idols. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Keep the Sabbath holy. Honor your father and your mother. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet what other people have. And ever since that day, the people of Israel have known exactly what to do to please God, to get along with their neighbors, to experience for themselves life in all of its abundance and to this day God's commandments are the very same if we keep them we will enjoy the goodness of life and if we don't we will suffer the consequences it's as simple as that and that my friends is the story of the ten commandments and then comes the story of Jesus but that's a story for another time. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.